0: Hello, everyone, welcome to another episode—the long-awaited return of Mangum Laughs. I'm joined by BJ. BJ, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well on this fine morning.
0: How are you, man? We have taken a heck of a break from this podcast, but we are coming back to a doozy. We are going to review Dave Chappelle's newest Netflix special, "Sticks and Stones."
1: Yeah, it was—it uh, was a fun one to do. Um, I, I sort of joked at the beginning of this that we're doing uh, all the stand-up comedy that isn't funny, so you don't have to watch it, but. this was this was really good
0: it was incredible uh before we jump into it do you want to do a little plug for mangum reads i'm really enjoying what you guys are doing lately uh
1: yeah so um we essentially have two things going at once so we have our main podcast that we are doing uh station 11 Um, which is a book that your your wife suggested um and then we're also doing our uh potter cast within a podcast pottering around where we're doing a chapter by chapter read of uh harry potter which has also been uh a lot of laughs
0: and that's very popular too by the way a lot of people listening to that so that's great Um, (coughs) which i'm not surprised mean, people love harry potter except for you
1: (laughs) yeah pretty much
0: (laughs) all right let's jump into this special um i'm gonna put my cards on the table I loved it I felt like it was a gr- real throwback to what stand-up comedy used to be yeah um, 20 30 years ago where he routinely would set you up on a with a very offensive premise probably something that you did not you don't actually believe but you trust him enough to kind of bring you along mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that's funny and, and at the end you may not agree with his premise but you certainly have enjoyed it and he, he has presented what he, you know his premise in a logical way and i guess the best example i can give of this is when he starts with not believing the michael jackson accusers yeah which i mean i watched that documentary uh i believed the accusers i still believe the accusers but i was able to laugh at his premise and he brought me along in a a really interesting way what do you think
1: yeah i i think he does a really good job of that and like i guess i i'm torn as to whether i actually Believe his the truth in his comedy rather than him knowing that it's a really funny joke right um and i think that's some of chappelle's genius is that he knows what a really good joke is and he knows what a really good setup is and i think unlike some of the comics that we had before i have no idea where his true thoughts lie and i think that's what makes him so good at what he does and why he's able yep. to make such good tv
0: yeah he kind of says everything with a twinkle in his eye yeah right like you just don't know if if he's being completely serious or not um but then other things he'll hit on and you're like wow he did he took the mainstream opinion of this right like his as he put it juicy smolier yeah <laughs> uh he he went hard into what we all believe which was that was just a crock of lies but he was able to even attack that with a premise that we all know and believe in a way that was a little different and funny especially when he talked about how i think the Afri- the home uh the gay community um did not like that the african-american community wasn't speaking up for him and he said what you don't understand is we we are supporting him through our silence because we knew he was lying.
1: <laughs> really
0: interesting take.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I really did like that, um, and I feel like before we go too much further, I have to tell you about a mistake that I made, which I feel like you'll appreciate. Um, sort of okay. every ever since um, I was listening to the GOT, GOT questions podcast, I've been watching a lot more TV with subtitles on because they subtitle a lot of things that you might miss otherwise. And this is a general feature that goes from show to show. It is the worst thing for comedy. Everything about the timing is off, everything. Uh It's just awful. And so, but my eyes were drawn to it and I was just sort of going along with it because that's how I'd been watching, you know, all, all of my, my streaming TV. And then after like five, 10 minutes, I realized it and the jokes were still kind of funny, but nowhere near as funny. And it's like, all right, I need to turn this off because otherwise I'm yep. just not going to enjoy this anywhere near as much.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, and uh, that that sounds awful, watching stand-up with closed <laughs> captioning. Um, but I, I think even watching just normal shows, closed captioning, is to me not as enjoyable experience but if you're doing a deep dive into the show and you really want to understand what's being said and and done you kind of need them on so like whenever spencer and i do are doing tv review podcast i always watch with the with the closed captioning on but yeah definitely turn it off for stand-up comedy yeah good
1: it was it was just a mistake that i didn't realize that i was making and so it was just sort of really funny to me that i was just like what am i doing this is the worst way to consume this
0: right um, so we've we've hit on a couple of his his main jokes um, in this. He talks about the Michael Jackson accusers. He talks about uh, Jesse Smollett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he does touch on R. Kelly, which I thought was interesting because he was doing the Michael Jackson thing. And I, I I don't know if you heard it, but someone in the audience yelled to prompt him for R. Kelly. Someone yelled R. Kelly, but then he had a bit prepared. Yeah. So it's kind of like was that really organic or? I don't know. Or does does he have so many bits prepared that the audience can queue him up? And he's like, oh, yeah, I can do 10 minutes on that.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if it was a plant, just like a, a way to get the audience a little bit more engaged for the bit that he had planned. Um, and there's just a whole... Uh, that that bit that he had about R. Kelly really reminded me of the boondocks.
0: That's
1: mm-hmm. um, coming back. Oh, it is? Yeah, the Boondocks is coming back. Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like it was a kind of time and place show, but I am curious to see what they end up doing with it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think it was kind of also a really good way of um, taking people back into his court with something that sort of everybody could agree on. With He probably lost a good chunk of the audience not completely, but in, in some respects, with the Michael Jackson bit. And he do, has this really good thing that he does, which I, I think all comics do, and, and in some sense, where there's a pairing between sort of the beginning and the end and bringing, bringing things full circle and, and referencing jokes at the end that you made in the beginning. Um, but he also does a lot of balance with how he does his comedy. And so he had the the uh, Jesse Smollett bit, but he also had the letter bit, and so they're sort of opposite sides of a similar coin. And so he had the Michael Jackson bit, and he had the R. Kelly bit, and so mm-hmm. he touches on two sides of an issue, encapsulating much more of the crowd than if he only did one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I agree. I just think that's like a a genius of how he does his comedy. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. I I don't know, man. I, I I struggle with trying to figure out how to explain Chappelle. Um, And I feel, I fear this is going to be a pretty short pod because it's just brilliant stuff. Um, But I, I always feel like he has, he has a really great way. And I've not seen a comedian do this since probably prior to make it seem like he's just riffing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like a bit. And that because that's the thing, right? When it, I mean, I've done stand-up, as I talked about on this podcast before. When you when you set up a bit and it's very obvious it's a bit, people get mentally checked out. But with him, you just kind of feel like he's just talking. Yeah, and I guess that maybe that's his style or maybe that's how he writes. I'm not sure, but it, it's really um, convincing when you're watching that he's just kind of up there going.
1: Yeah, I, I think he does a really good job of playing off the the crowd and then taking pauses and taking enough of a pause and letting letting sort of the ebb of the last joke and or last bit calm down enough so then he can start the next bit that isn't like hammering away and i think what what i noticed um the first time i watched it and then i watched it again that and i i think i'd have to go back through his other stand-up but he turns around and he sort of mm-hmm. walks away yeah. and then re-engages. And I think part of that, I wonder if he doesn't like completely want to laugh in front of the audience. because, uh, And that's a little bit of part of it. But it, it also is a, he disengages and re-engages. And I think that helps set up how he does his comedy. And so it's almost like, Uh, the ebb and flow of sketches and like, a sketch comedy or something like that, but you don't feel it as much because he's still always there.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point, especially when you consider kind of what I talked about earlier, about it feeling organic. Yeah. When he does that sort of turn and huddle over laughing and walk away, I I think it's planned, but it makes you think that he's just kind of breaking himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, again, reiterates to you that this is an organic moment. This isn't something planned because, oh, look, he broke. Like, he's, he's huddled over laughing when he, you know, kind of uncontrollably, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think, to me, what it says the most about, like, how he plans this and that it is 100% not breaking is that sometimes he'll walk up the steps and sometimes he doesn't with the stage. So the stage is set up so there's, like, a platform in, in that's sort of in the crowd, a couple of steps, and then the main stage. And... I, I'm i not 100% sure about this, but it, it sort of felt like when he was going to the next bit, he would walk up the stairs, and when he sort of was quote-unquote breaking but had a little bit more in the bit, he didn't walk up the stairs. And so yep. it was a very direct way of, you know, where is this break going? Is it going to the next bit or is it not? And it's, I would bet that his early stand-up didn't have it as much, but his later stand-up will, because I bet that that has to do with uh, the TV that he did and knowing how to uh, basically change scenes better.
0: Wait, he did TV? What? <laughs> he, he did TV? Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, that that's that would be a pause for me of even going to a Chappelle stand-up special is like i just don't want to hear people screaming i'm rich bitch and you know do the Rick james thing like oh yeah because it's 12 years ago come on yeah i agree with you about his sort of walking away and i i fully anticipate he structured the stage that way Mm -hmm. he did a stand-up special for netflix not too long ago where he was sitting down yeah and it was a very different tenor he didn't have those sort of breaking moments he didn't have big jokes that created big uproars of laughter it was more of kind of string you along with sort of funny premises. yeah. Um, so I think, to, to your point, I think he kind of does like, okay, I'm going for this type of mood or this type of reaction from the audience, so I'm to have this type of stage, and I'm going to interact with the stage in this type of way. All of it makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that also probably has to do with him getting back into it. Um, he took a fairly long break from sort of everything uh, for quite a while, and I, I think that... The past couple of, of things that he did and, and Netflix comedy specials was a getting comfortable with what it was again, and maybe something that he was a little bit more relaxed with. Um, and he was also, uh, I don't know if you watch it, the comedians in cars getting coffee. Yep, yeah. yep, I do. Um, and, and again, I think he had sort of a similar feel in in the comedy to his earlier comedy special where he wasn't it was a little bit less of a performance or like an overall performance like a tv show and more of a sort of stand-up comedy like him being a comic where i feel like this was much more of a like show performance than what would normally be a stand-up comedy routine.
0: Yeah, I agree. It, it, it he was clearly going for okay. This is a big, huge crowd stand-up special. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do like the sort of traditional like uproarious laughter. People are sort of floored by it. Yeah. As opposed to some of his more like um, I don't know, like uh, sort of heady heady comedy that he's done in the past. A mm-hmm. uh, couple things I want to point out um, about this. One is uh, I was listening, to, and I try not to, but every once in a while he has an interesting guest. So I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm don't like Joe Rogan in particular, but sometimes <laughs> he has good guests. Right, uh, And he told this story about doing stand-up with Dave Chappelle that I found fascinating. Um, he said, I'm going to probably butcher some of the details here, but he said that basically Chappelle's stand-up operation is so professional that it kind of blew him away. So, like, they have, like, big unmarked SUVs that take them everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if there's bad traffic, they'll actually take a helicopter <laughs> to get to their plane. That apparently they do they he, Chappelle always starts late he's very like Prince or Guns and Roses or Rockstar or whatever in that way, and they were done at like two or three in the morning, yeah by the time he was finally over with the the set and he said no, Chappelle told Rogan no 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 we're, we're going to the next you know city now we're not going to go back to a hotel and sleep they get on a private plane and on the private plane they get IVs <laughs> to pump like i guess nutrients or what like you know kind of like the stories you used to hear about like the rolling stones yeah how they would always like so Chappelle does this apparently and it will stay up for like 24 48 hours and do multiple uh cities without sleeping this way wow i thought was really fascinating
1: yeah and kind of crazy um i also like i have questions about this this stand-up that um i don't know if like i have there are any answers but he made a distinct choice for like a GI Joe theme, which I thought was weird. Yeah,
0: he does. He, that's a that's a common thing with him. He has this like weird jumpsuit with like a a patch of a C on it. Yeah, that he's been wearing for like ten years. I don't know where that comes from.
1: Yeah, and then he did the stage, and and it was just like uh, you know, maybe he just you know grew up with GI Joe, and and that was a thing, um, and
0: yeah, very bizarre. Yeah, it's just I just chalked that up to like being uber wealthy and just having eccentricities.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it sort of also reminded me of, uh, again, you, you mentioned the stand-up comedy of days of, you know, days past where there were interesting outfits that weren't like, I'm trying to fit in with a culture and, and, and be whatever it was, you know, Giselnik and, and Delia had, uh, what I would say is sort of very modern and forward things, but they, they weren't like a red leather suit or something like that. Yeah. Like the old the Eddie 90s. Murphy, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That, it was, it, I mean, cause stand up comedians used to really consider themselves to be rock stars. I mean like Eddie Murphy would tour with like Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. like, or like, um, uh, the P-Funk, George Clinton P-Funk. Like he would tour with rock stars cause that's how he viewed himself. So he dressed like a rock star. Yeah. And it's preposterous looking now. So maybe that is some of the mentality from Chappelle that he kind of has this, you know, uniform or whatever um, that he owns. I think it's kind of strange. And it it also appears to be a onesie. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah. Which I think (laughs) is a really interesting choice for for doing stand-up. I guess he's sort of committed to whatever the bit is and, you know, can't can't take a break off stage very easily. Um, (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, no one Chappelle. He may have a catheter in. I don't know. (laughs) It's a professional operation.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is super committed. Um, I also, there are sort of interesting little bits that I'm curious how much, um, and I assume a reasonable amount, control that uh, Chappelle has in terms of like the final editing. And, and, you know, they always have uh, cameras on the crowd. And so like how much to edit in and who to edit in. Um, there was an Asian yeah. guy in the corner that was just losing his shit for random stuff that was like the funniest thing to include. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, but but it was sort of mm-hmm. um, one of those things that, that like I really want to know what Chappelle's thought is in doing that, because like, I feel like a lot of other comedians go to um, people in the crowd that sort of back up the joke well, and have like a, a reaction that they want to pair their joke with. And I feel like this Asian dude was just kind of off the wall. And I feel like it wasn't a, a balance that, that most other uh, Netflix specials and uh, taped events have in terms of like a crowd reaction to the joke pairing sort of like what the comedian's joking about and an audience member that kind of fits well with that. Um, when Chappelle's talking about things with his wife, he'll often go to a couple and, and then focus in on on the, the female of the couple. And so like, he gets that good sort of reaction pairing with the joke that he has. And this guy just like, felt like there was just no rhyme or reason. Maybe just Chappelle was amused by like his reactions and just wanted to include it because he thought it was funny.
0: Yeah. So this is where you and the audience can call me racist. So go ahead. Um, but I wonder if that guy was a non-native English speaker. I say that because I've listened to comedians talk about doing stand-up in, you know, other countries where English isn't the first language folks learn. Mm-hmm. And they they express it as it's a very difficult thing to do because the beats are different. Yeah. Basically, the way that they, they hear English and what's funny and what lands with them is different than people who are native English speakers. hmm and so a lot of times they're not quite sure where the laugh is going to come. They're just doing their set, and they're getting random laughs, and they're not quite sure why. So I wonder if that could play into it a little
1: bit. Yeah, and and I guess I feel like that plays into my thought that Dave Chappelle is just amused by this guy. And so it's like we have to put him in because it's just funny. Um.
0: Yeah, it could be. All right, now we need to address the sort of response that this Special God. I don't know if you've seen much of the press about it.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I do get so Google pulls up things that it thinks that I'm interested in. So I did get quite a number of articles about the uh, letters joke. Um, I think it was interesting. He covered quite a he, in his jokes. He covered quite a number of things that are hot button topics and some that are no longer hot button topics but were at some point and I think have calmed down enough that he feels like he can talk about them with the openness that he wants to. Um, I think that the Louis comments were were in line with that. Yeah um, and uh, that actually reminds me of a joke that I, w- I want to come back to but but so the letters uh, road trip was was like the big thing that got a lot of press and i thought that it was really interesting that there were a number of lgbtq comedians that wrote articles that were basically like look it, it's comedy you know he, he's pointing at something that exists and making jokes about it and that's his right to do it. You know, some of them we didn't like for whatever reason, but you know, I I read a couple of articles that were in support of him that I think were a better tone than a lot of the ones that were just hating on him. And I think the joke that I, well, I was going to talk about a little bit more was, first of all, he acknowledged uh, the hate, but his talking about um, basically things he couldn't, couldn't say while he was at comedy central. And it was like, you can only talk about the jokes that you were personally sort of invested in. And so he could make black jokes and, and use what most people would consider racist terminology because he's black. And so then it's fine. And, I we talked about this in in an earlier podcast that you know at some point you have to say that things are fair game and maybe there're better and worse ways that comics can treat them but like to only be able to talk about things that you're personally invested in is is kind of senseless because then can you only tell jokes to similarly aligned people? Like if I make Holocaust jokes, can I only do that to to Jewish people? Like at at what point do we just say that the art form is limited to like only things that that are offensive to your people or whatever? And and I think that's limiting in in a very weird way. And so I personally much preferred the response of these are the things that we didn't like about the joke, but it's perfectly reasonable for him to talk about it and make those jokes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not going to surprise anybody to hear that I fall on the pretty far end of the spectrum of everybody needs to settle the fuck down. Yeah. Um, because I i mean, I don't think he... <laughs> everything he did was pretty careful. I didn't think anything was really super clumsy. Um, Even just using the letters instead of the phrases, right? Mm -hmm. So much, it lands so much easier for people to say, oh, and the T's, nobody likes the T's instead of, oh, the transsexuals. Nobody likes the transsexuals. Like, it it just, it was, he was still being careful in how he was doing it. Um, And there's some parts of it that, like, I, like, don't agree with. Like, I I think he was pretty dismissive of some of the acts that Louis C.K. has done, and I wouldn't be. Uh, and I also believe the Michael Jackson accusers. But I, that doesn't take me out of it. Like, I actually kind of like when he starts with a premise that I disagree with. And then it's kind of a game of can he bring me along? Um, and part of what I think he does with these specials and how he does his material now is I honestly think he's gotten so good that he picks stuff, you know, to talk about that's going to be challenging for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because he's just gotten so fucking good at stand up that, like, it has to be a game within a game. And so, okay, well, let's start with the Michael Jackson accusers are, are either a lying or B should be grateful. <laughs> and let's see if I can make comedy out of that preposterous statement. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, I think what he does and there are some comics that don't, and I feel like this is, this is where I personally draw the line is he's a, he can do offense. He does offense, some offensive jokes and tries to be sort of minorly offensive people to put them off balance and then works at getting towards something that's funny and not offensive, in per- like particularly offensive. Like not, he's not offensive, with the sole goal of being offensive. And yep, deciding that, A- and that's
0: and that's that sort of your complaint with Jezelnick sometimes, right?
1: Yeah, um, where it's just like he's just being offensive. Like there isn't there isn't anything behind it. Where it's just like so. Uh, chappelle was you know i you know i'm in line with the the michael jackson like he didn't do it like there's no way i mean you know and, and then he made the macaulay culkin joke it's just like i mean come on if there was ever a kid and so <laughs> <laughs> was
0: pretty fucking funny
1: <laughs> and like he brings it around to a point that like i didn't expect and i think really ties it together in a way that is funny because it it's it's turning the offensiveness. It's it's not like directed at the audience. It's sort of directed sideways to a third person, a little bit at himself. And, and I think that's where a lot of the offensive comedy lies. And it requires that extra step to actually be funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but goddamn, that was a funny premise. Like if there was a kid that you, oh my God. <laughs> What's well, so funny, too, because you, you see where he's going and it's so offensive, but so funny that it, to me, it, I just had belly laughs. Um, OK, well, I think we're kind of in agreement that this special probably didn't deserve some of the harsher treatment it got on online, even though there are some topics he covered that, you know, obviously are going to be hot button issues for people. Um, before we wrap up, um, do you have a favorite joke, fa- favorite segment that he did?
1: Oof. Um,
0: and I can start if you'd prefer.
1: Yeah, if you would.
0: Yeah, so for me it was definitely the juicy smully bit. Mm-hmm. Um just because th- that whole thing, that whole episode was just so preposterous and he, his way of condensing how stupid it was down to like okay, well, I can only imagine the you know the tenured cop who has to write the report and then he's doing the okay, 2:30 in the morning, you're outside 16 degrees below, okay. You go on a subway. Sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like Going through like From the cops Such a great way to frame it To the audience From the cops perspective How stupid this story really is Mm -hmm. But then he hits you With the MAGA hats Frank Hold on a second Frank Find out where Kanye West Was last night Like (laughs) weaving All of these things in In showing how preposterous That whole situation was I thought was really Really good And and effective And you could tell That was one of his stronger uh, Bits He saved it toward the end uh, And the audience Was just rolling Mm Mm-hmm really 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 good stuff
1: so i think for me i really i like the long storytelling jokes as a a way of doing stand-up but it's the quick jokes that just get me and and make me burst out laughing and so for me there were um there were kind of two of those um and one was very random and i feel like shouldn't have been as funny to me as it was but he did his like little impressions bit and he was sort of clearly leading the audience into like this when he was doing the slack jaw like i'm an idiot i feel like he was clearly leading the audience towards like oh this is trump and even somebody called that out and he's like no it's you you were the worst people ever because if i do anything wrong you're gonna jump on me and just that that tickled me um Because that has happened so often to so many comedians doing, um, his style of comedy. And, um, the second bit that just stood out for me, and I just, I don't know why, is he was talking about, um, what would happen if, uh, the people that Louis C.K. was on the phone with, uh, called the police. And then, you know, he's going through the preposterousness of of that, and, and then he's like, you know, and... And if it were here, and the cops were on the phone, and and they're like, okay, well, and what did he do next? And he starts doing like the, and they're they're trying to get off to, you know, the, the people reporting the story, and he's you know doing that exaggerated like you know them stroking themselves, and that just like, I don't know, but that just killed me.
0: Yeah, yeah, both really good, really good segments there. But anyway, I I, I think I give this a probably a A A or A minus.
1: Yep. I definitely would go go around there just because I watched it a second time and I laughed um, basically that's always you know, a
0: good indicator yeah
1: Yeah, um, there are, I, I think it's you know fairly top stand up comedy where you can watch the same thing again and still laugh you know again it's not going to all, all be a surprise but you know there are definitely bits that I forgot from the first time but it was just it was a lot of fun the, the entire way through
0: yeah, I agree. I am glad we are back with Mangum Laughs. Let's do this again. Not every eight months.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> cool.
1: Thanks, BJ. Yeah. Always